fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Welcome to The Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Welcome to our time of examining how we are going to carry out the commission to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We began to look at it as it appears in the book of Acts. And picking up from last week, where we observed that the church was born in the womb of prayer, because after Jesus Christ had given the direction to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the utmost parts, we saw last week that they went to the place where they were staying, and they were praying earnestly. But I want to backtrack a little bit this week and to take a look at the scene on the Mount of Olives before they went back to Jerusalem and the upper room. It says in Acts chapter 1, And while they were gazing into heaven, as Jesus went, behold, two men stood by them in white robe and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, this same Jesus, the King James Version renders this, This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then we picked up at verse 12 last week. Then they returned to Jerusalem. And we had a passage where they met for prayer at the place where God could speak to them. And at the end of this prayer meeting, we read in Acts chapter 1, it says, In those days, Peter stood up among the brethren. The company of persons were in all about a hundred and twenty. And he said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who was guide to them that arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man brought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their language, Akeldama, which means the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, that him, that his habitation become desolate, and let there be no one to live in it. His office let another take. So some of the men who had accompanied us during the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And then they went through the process of selecting a replacement for Judas. You see, in all the things that God calls upon us, he has discipline, order, direction. And so these early apostles began by replacing Judas, as was proper to do. And then they got on with the business of being a witness 
to Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that we have concluded that the book of Acts is a continuation of the Jesus ministry, and that this presentation the Lord made as he gave himself on the cross, and the proof of his having been the Son of God, he rose from the dead. And then came the period of proclamation, and he transferred this proclamation aspect onto the early disciples, and they became what we've identified as the propagators, among whom you and I are numbered, as we continue to do the work that Jesus began, which Luke wrote about in the Gospel of Luke, and continues now in the book of Acts. And as we take our time looking at what they did at the beginning, each of the opportunities they had were born out of prayer and pain. Prayer and pain. There was never any easy road. Tis not an easy road we're traveling to glory. The Lord Jesus said, if you're coming after me, follow me in the road that I had to tread. You're going to trod, you're going to tread what I trod. You're going to walk where I walk. You're going to be like I was. He gave himself. And he says, if you're going to follow after him, you must be willing to give yourself. He said that this world into which he came, that rejected him, is not going to embrace you. And I think I've been saying that week after week because I feel so strongly, so strongly, that members of the body of Christ, the church, the disciples of today, are beginning to lose our sense of direction, our sense of purpose, our sense of mission. Our mission is to attest to the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and to proclaim his coming again. We made mention of Dr. Sidlow Baxter's account of the book of Acts. And in chapter 1 and verse 8, he says that we have a divine appointment, a spiritual equipment, and geographical commitment. So let's read the verse again and see if we can find out what Dr. Baxter is talking about. We're reading verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you. You shall receive power. You're appointed to power. You are provided power. Verse 8 says again, when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That's part of the divine appointment. And he says the equipment is that the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. You should receive power when the Holy Spirit is there, come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. So we have an appointment as witness. We have equipment filled with the Holy Spirit, and you shall be witnesses unto me in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There is a geographical commitment. And that geographical commitment is still viable, is still expected of the followers of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, the book of Acts bears accurate record of that geographical commitment being carried out. The first several chapters of the book of Acts finds the disciples in the Jerusalem territory. What did Jesus say? Beginning in Jerusalem. And that's where we find their ministry being launched. And I think the first five chapters finds them in 
Jerusalem, and then came the period outside of Jerusalem, in the province of Judea, and then later on beyond the, to Samaria and on to the utmost parts. And today, the beginning in Jerusalem, the spread into Samaria has not ended, it's just expanded. And you find people all over the world carrying the good news. But God was in Christ buying back humanity unto himself. You see, God's divine work of reconciliation came at a great cost. And these early disciples were witnesses to his life and death and resurrection and are living in anticipation of his promised return. My friend, I would like you to measure your life in that crucible, for crucible it is. It isn't the posh pews and the velvet-lined offices and guest rooms. It isn't the pomp and pageantry of Rome or any other city. It is a lowly place called Calvary. It's an empty tomb. It's the Mount of Olives. It's Jerusalem. It's Judea. It's Samaria. It's unto the uttermost parts of the world. And I emphasized last week that this all began at the place of prayer because immediately upon getting the directions and the redirection from the angels, these two men in white apparel we just read about, they were reminded that they mustn't sit around and be sky gazers. Why are you looking up into heaven? They asked him. You have work to do on earth. I've heard it said that some people are so heavenly minded they have no earthly use. Well, that's an oxymoron because if you are heavenly minded, you're full of earthly use. Jesus was heavenly minded. Jesus implants in us by his Holy Spirit a heavenly mind. You are strangers and pilgrims and you're fellow citizens with the saints. But he says we must go into all the world. So heavenly mindedness means earth usefulness. Let me say that again. Heavenly mindedness means earth usefulness. So don't be, don't be caught up with this common phrase that she or he is so heavenly minded. He or she may be selfishly, sanctimoniously minded, but if they are truly heavenly minded, they'll do heaven's work. And heaven's work is that we're called upon to be ambassadors for Christ. And on that very day, when the prayer meeting was ended, it says of Peter, In those days Peter stood up among the brethren. The company of persons was in all about a hundred and twenty. And he said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, and he laid the groundwork for Judas's replacement. And it says in chapter 2, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together, in one place. My friend, one of the conditions for spiritual revival in the church is being together, is being united. I'm not talking about uniformity, where we all wear the same clothes, as some people think we should, or we all drive the same cars, or we all walk the same route. We, it means that we must have a oneness in the things of God. We must be clear about the message of Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he did die, that he did rise. The essentials of the message must be clear. And these people having prayed together, it says when the 
Pentecost day came, suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them tongues of fire, disturbed, distributed, and resting upon each of them. My friend, we need a fire revival again today. God is able to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your local congregation, upon your family, upon your community. God is still in the business of filling his people with divine power, but it comes through prayer and unity in the spirit. God give you the grace to long for a Pentecostal revival. May God grant you a willingness to be a messenger in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we go today, let me remind you that these broadcasts are paid for by people who pray and care about it. Will you be one of those who will take time to send a check in support of The Bible Speaks and the ministry, you know, and tell us where you're listening from, what city you're in, what radio station you hear from us on. Listen to the address, and we would be delighted to hear from you. I have as a memorial for you to keep a little booklet called The Good Life, 15 Stories of Finding Hope. That's yours when you send us a gift in support of The Bible Speaks. God bless you abundantly. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida 34478. Coming home, coming.